Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, present The VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Woody, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They'll give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's The VC Show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Not much, man. This has been a busy week. Like Sometimes the things slow down for us, particularly me, and when it's not football season. But this last week been a monster, man. Yeah, and you chose violence. Like, I look <laughs> up on Thursday, and people are like, yo, your man went on first take with Chris Russo choosing violence. Did, like, did you leave the house choosing violence, or did the, the violence decision get made once you was there? A little bit of both. So the night before, I had decided, like, it's July. We're going to be entertaining. I'm going to think of the most, like, anti-old man takes I can come up with to see if I can be in a side-by-side after sparking a Chris Russo rant. And I guess I was like a little too like chummy with him before. So like he didn't take the bait. And so I was not having the experience that I wanted to have. So instead of that, I was like, all right, well, if you're going to lob these lame takes out here, I'm a, I'm a had to take them down, but it, it was fun. And on Foxford Friday, there will be a rematch. So uh, apparently me and Chris Russo going at it again on Friday. So Dog, we'll see. you got up there and hit him with, I'm a cook. You go get cooked. Like I've been cooking you for the last 30 <laughs> minutes and you said it twice. I don't know if you said it 30 minutes apart. I don't know if you took a break from the cooking in between. <laughs> I, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you wanted that man to know that you meant business. <laughs> yeah. He was a good sport though. Like, I, I don't know. It's entertainment and it depends on what show you are. Like what type of vibe you can bring. They're like, I wouldn't bring that vibe to this show because this is not this. This is a chiller show. That's not what we're doing. But people who turn on first take, they want performance. Like yeah. your, your man, Wendy, blew up because of his finger dances. <laughs> the most incredible thing about that whole thing to me is like the appreciation for the art of it because it was captivating and there was no payoff. Like you had to wait till later in the day to the trade happen. Like. I was watching that clip when it got spread around and I was like, man, whatever he going to say at the end of this going to be so good that he ain't say what, what was going on. But it was still like riveting. So, yeah, I, I that was in the back of my mind. I was like, we're going to entertain these people today. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. Look up first take uh, Russo Foxworth. It'll get you back all the stuff that you needed. Because like Russo, it's interesting because I do marvel at kind of his encyclopedic ability to go back. Right. But he also appears to be kind of like me in the sense that I could tell you all kinds of things about the 1987 baseball season, but I don't know what I got for you on the 2021 baseball season, right? Like the closer we get to the present, for some reason, my memory gets a little bit worse when it comes to those days. But you said that that, that, that if Lamar, we dropped Lamar Jackson off in the 60s, we wouldn't call that show for the Lombardi. You'd be getting the Jackson after the game. <laughs> 
was true though. Like he he started talking about Bart Starr. Like he was playing into it. But one sentence I didn't didn't think I would hear today is Bomani Jones saying, "I'm kind of like Chris Russo in that way." <laughs> I was I was never <laughs> expecting it, but I get where you're coming from. I think we all are like that, and our short term memory is all going to be worse than our long term memory. But you guys do have the ability to go back to specific drafts and specific games and know stuff. I had, um, I was doing debatable the other day and they brought up the 2018 draft and I was like, hold up. Um, hold up. Oh, that's the Lamar Jackson draft, uh, Josh Allen. And it took me longer, but like once I knew what draft it was, right. I, I just don't associate it with the numbers in that way. Once I knew what draft it was, I could go through all the things that happened. But yeah, like once you give me one on something like that, like I might mix up 2018, 2019. But if you tell me, no, Baker Mayfield, not Kyler Murray. Oh, okay, cool. Then we might be able to run through this. (laughs) And see, it's interesting because you had your back and forth with Russo and you were operating in the name of entertainment. I believe I've told you about the time that I went on first take and chose violence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, For those who don't you didn't know, tell me about it. I saw it. <laughs> the, I went on first take and I chose violence in the year 2010. And what had happened was I had done first take like two, three times with Skip Bayless. And this is back when it wasn't just the whole show was debate, right? Like they ran it like a morning show and then they'd have Skip pop in four times with whoever his foil was for the day. And so I'd done it a few times. But like you say, I ain't really the most, I'm not confrontational about that stuff on TV. Like I recognize that being who I am, bullying people is just not really going to be my approach, right? Like nobody, like they like you could do that all the time, right? So I'm typically trying to find a cool place, engage a cool discussion, but I'm misunderstanding who the person is that I'm with. And I'm misunderstanding like the dynamics of that show in general and what they're going for, right? So I've been cool with it, but producers had told me that they wished it was a little bit more confrontational and I wasn't going for a confrontation. Like that's just, that never was, never is. Like that's just not going to be the Steve's. But we were in the room in Bristol and my man, Jason Romano was reading a tweet and he said, uh, Derek Brooks is asking Skip who his toughest opponent is. And Skip said, oh, Greg Anthony. And I was like, Dag, Skip, I'm right here. And he goes, Greg Anthony. And I don't know why that bothered me. But I decided today was going to be the day. (laughs) And it was the day. What day was it, you ask? The last day they called me to do first take with Skip Bayless. That was what the day was. I mean, I was going on like round the way stuff. I was going into deep, like, sociological theory. Had him looking all crazy. I just never forget that he ain't even say goodbye. That last, the last block was shot. He just dipped out. He left the set. He ain't come back. He ain't say nothing to me, no matter what it was. I remember somebody hit me up and was like, yo, finally been waiting on it. And I was like, well, I was feeling good about it. And then they didn't call me the next month. And then they didn't call me again. That is like... um playing sports or pickup sports like I would do like an off season or something or even as a like a retired guy like I'll play a little something play around with like cousins or something and mess around and that sounds like kind of what you were doing is like I'm not going for confrontation but you don't gotta be disrespectful like I think Skip didn't acknowledge that like you was coming in like with a like a I mean, I'm going to have a good time. We're going to entertain these people. Let's have some fun. You wasn't coming in, coming for his neck. And like, if you are a, a really good athlete and you go and you like mess around playing basketball with people, like I'm not a great basketball player, but I'm, I mean, 
I'm a destroy an average person. So if I'm playing basketball with you and you like get by me and score a bucket, don't look back. Don't talk trash. <laughs> don't talk trash because you won't get another clear look for the rest of the evening. <laughs> and, and I might muster something enough to bang on you. So like that, that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds yeah. like. I, you just, I just wanted the respect that I, that I deserve. Yeah. Well, I think I just realized, wow, apparently I haven't made some things clear to this gentleman, right? Maybe he <laughs> didn't know. It is entirely possible that he didn't know. In all fairness uh, to him, he just didn't know. So I got to teach you. And and uh, the teaching the teaching took place. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Now, we're going to talk about a few things on this show. We got some NBA labor stuff that's going on. I want to get to the top on this. Me and Spencer talked about it a little bit. But uh, that Lamar ja- that list with Lamar Jackson not in the list of top 10 quarterbacks, I mean, it blew my mind just a little bit because I think part of what gets me when this happens, especially with quarterbacks, and I get it with every other position. Every other position doesn't really have ups, downs, ups, downs, right? Like when a guy has a bad season, that means a worse season is coming after and a worse was coming after, a worse was coming after. But quarterbacks there tends to be a little up down, right? There's a lot more that goes on, a lot more circumstances. And I'm like, okay, so even if you think Lamar Jackson was bad last year, which I do not, because I remember when he was carrying that team early and we were legitimately talking about him as an MVP candidate. And then the injuries to him caught up to the injuries to everybody else. And then they didn't win. But man, I'm looking up at that list. I'm like, y'all got Joe Burrow number five, which feels a little bit premature, though I understand why you might do this. You got Justin Herbert over this, man. I just had a whole lot of, have y'all already forgotten like that fast? Yeah, the recency bias is outrageous, but I, I, I mean that's the that's the magic of a list. <laughs> you know, oh, it works every time. Dog. Yeah, it works it. every time, and this is the time of year where we love these lists, and it is it's confirmation bias. Like they don't believe it, they don't want it. So many people they don't want it to be true, and they don't believe that it can be true. And so, like when they get an opportunity, because you're right. He was, we were talking about him as MVP and his numbers weren't MVP numbers, but if you was watching them games, you saw what happened and he doesn't get the credit for making people around him better. That's something that we say about quarterbacks and we say it about them without anything tangible. So it's like, he makes everybody around him better. And like, maybe it's true of Brady because when Brady shows up, you practice a little harder because you know that Tom Brady is there, but Brady's ability There's nothing that he does on the football field, like physically, that we can point to. Making good decisions, blah, 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 blah. But Lamar Jackson, once he steps out there 
everybody's job gets easier. And it's not just the guys on his side of the ball. It's the guys on the defensive side of the ball. The best thing you can do, there's some things that are foundational to all sports. One thing that is foundational to football, running the damn ball. If you can effectively run the ball and people can't stop you, you can do whatever you want. Your defense can rest. You can get in third and three. You can win in short yardage situations. All the important things, if you can consistently run, you keep the ball away from the opposing offense. So that makes everyone's job easier on the whole team. And then specifically, offensively, if you're a wide receiver and you don't never want to get double teamed, come over to death row. <laughs> you know, they, they cannot afford to put two guys on you because Lamar is a problem. If you want to see a lot of man coverage, come on over. If you want to see zone coverage where the underneath defenders are four yards from the line of scrimmage, come on over to death row. And even the most effective thing against Lamar Jackson is like the all out blitz. Go ahead and do that 10 times a game. Miss one damn tackle. Six <laughs> points. Six damn points. So like, I don't know. It's 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 a dumb game that we play, but we know the ingredients that comes out with this result. But we also all know the truth. Well, one thing about the recency bias that I find interesting there is I do think that there's a measure of recency bias that goes against Lamar Jackson. But it is interesting. The recency bias is not affecting that guy, Russell Wilson, who's been falling off for the last couple of years, right? Like the numbers this year didn't necessarily look like it. And it's not really going to fully look like it with Russell because he's never going to throw a bunch of interceptions. Like he's not that guy. And so touchdown to interception ratio is like the assist to turnover ratio of basketball. Like, yeah, I get it. But these things like it don't it don't really matter. Right. Like it's, it doesn't indicate exactly what you think it does. But Russell Wilson, I said, I don't know how much I would have given up for him at his age. Like that trade that the Broncos made. If the Broncos made that trade and got uh, Lamar Jackson back, I'd have thought it was a steal. I still think the trade is fine because their roster is great outside of the quarterback. And it feels yeah. like they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But it sucks for that being that division. They could mess around, miss the playoffs, and I wouldn't be shocked. But you are right about um, the recency bias is not hurting him it's also not hurting Deshaun Watson who didn't play at all last year and is probably not gonna play very much if at all this year but he's still out here collecting votes and Justin Herbert like okay I seen him he nasty but like where is this consistency that you guys all needed to see before like mm -hmm. even after Lamar won an MVP people was out here talking about but can he do it for a long time we ain't doing that to these guys like we ain't doing it to them and that Super Bowl makes it easier to lie to ourselves about Matt Stafford and just act like Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was the guy that he'd always been last year. He just had a better team that was around him. He's still going to be like a trick-or-treat sort of dude. I actually think perhaps the most interesting thing about the list and the reception of it, at least as it relates to me and you, is they put Josh Allen at number three over Tom Brady. And me and you was both like, yeah, I can see how you would say that. I mean, it seems obvious. <laughs> it seems <laughs> Dog, obvious. That, that I, playoff game against the Chiefs, it was just like, hey, man, I am all like, it was one thing for me to be like, all right, I'm not knocking him anymore. Now I'm like, can I get a jersey? I'm a fan. Yes. I am a damn fan. I will I will stop speaking about that one cross body he threw in a, <laughs> to, a, to a square body. Like, I will stop talking about that because it's not only that specific game because – Everybody can have great games. I had two interceptions in one game one time. That don't mean I'm a Hall of Famer. It's that that game came at the end of the last two seasons. And that game was hyped as hell. 
And that game was on the road. And that game was against the, like, they weren't the Super Bowl champs. But for all intents and purposes, the Chiefs is, they the champs. They who, that's who, uh, you're the first tickets to sell out <laughs> in your city. It's the Chiefs. You knock off the Chiefs, your fans are excited and they change the expectations. He went in there and did that on the heels of having two seasons. And it wasn't like we can't point to that game like we could do for Tom Brady. We can't point to that game and be like, oh, defense saved him or the running back saved him. He took that whole damn city, <laughs> all that history, <laughs> and said, get on my back. And he beat the Chiefs and still damn lost. Right. So, yeah, right. I, I, y'all put him at one. I wouldn't have been upset. Honestly, everything that we had to say about him before makes me enjoy watching him more now because literally, I don't think this is an exaggeration, he's the single most improved football player I have ever seen. I have never seen anybody get to the league as bad as he was and in the time period that he did it in, turn out to be like actually good. But this is something I feel like is lost in this with him. For all the, let's see Lamar do it in the playoffs, the Bills have won two playoff games with Josh Allen. Two, right? What's interesting to me about the do it in the playoffs thing also is, is you don't give anybody any credit for actually making it to the playoffs, right? Like nobody came out of in, after that game with Josh Allen threw the ball to the square body, like everything that went crazy after that. Me and you were like, yo, I don't know what's going on here. We might want to wait a little bit. That ain't stop a whole lot of people who were stopping on Lamar Jackson with the regular season record of a lot to a little and dragging teams to the playoffs, including one, they put him in to start over Flacco, and that's the move you only make when you're like, yo, we out of it. We thought they was going to fire the coach. They went 6-1, and one, Bo Marnie. I looked it up because I was preparing for this argument. They, they took a rookie, so they're running a Joe Flacco offense with a roster. Like, they didn't go into the draft expecting to get Lamar Jackson. They traded back in to get him at 32 because nobody else wanted him. This team was not prepared to have Lamar Jackson. This team got Lamar Jackson. I was like, all right, well, we'll see what we're going to do. Joe Flacco wasn't getting it done. They dropped him in. He went six and one. Can you imagine if any other like traditional rookie quarterback did that and then followed that stuff up with an MVP season? And now we looking at number 11. Like <laughs> it's just it's it's. It's boggling. I'm getting myself more upset the more we talk about it because I, it, all these variables were not in the front of my mind when I first started talking about it. But it is it's crazy, man. Yeah. And I always say about top 10 lists, you can never forget they can only have 10 people. Right. So there's going to be somebody. Kyler Murray. Sorry about that, buddy. Derek Carr. Sorry about that, buddy. Like there's always going to be somebody that just doesn't make the list. And quarterbacking tends to be kind of a high low situation. Right. Like the room in the middle ain't necessarily going to wind up uh, being that strong. I still am taking Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers, though. Like, that was the one I actually thought was fairly interesting because Aaron Rodgers has been super-duper MVP guy. Like, there's no disputing that. We now have, like, 16, 17 years of evidence to make us wonder if there's a shortcoming with him. Like, this is the thing. When people say, let me see Lamar do it in the playoffs, I hold them back on that because I don't think the sample size is large enough for you to say such a thing. Aaron Rodgers, there's a clear difference between... November Aaron Rodgers in January Aaron Rodgers for whatever reason we've seen it it's obviously there that Mahomes dude look about the same to me <laughs> all the time I'm never gonna forget how the Super Bowl that they lost and his this is this is the ultimate argument for like watch the tape guy don't look at the box score them numbers from the Super Bowl that they lost to the Buccaneers were as bad as could be but if you watch that game 
you like, there's one guy on the <laughs> field that I can call him, and it is Patrick Dan Mahomes. You remember how he was diving sideways, hitting pinpoint accurate passes that's bouncing off people's chests while being chased by an incredible defensive line with backup tackles on both sides? Yes. Dude, I told you, they showed the, the offensive line on the graphic before the game started, and I was like, up. Oh. I have made an erroneous projection. <laughs> My prediction will not come to fruition in this game. And that is exactly what happened. They were chasing his ass down every turn. Nothing you could do about it. And he that one throw you talking about, he was leaning right, threw it through like two or three people into the end zone, right on the money in the back corner. And I'm like, dog, man, even if Mahomes, again, even if he wasn't as good last year as he was the year before, it doesn't mean he became somebody else. Like, you don't have to have a referendum on how good he is based on this happens with quarterbacks. Like, why are people acting like they don't know this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, we scrutinize quarterbacks in a way that you don't other players in other positions. And, like, yeah, so, like, if they're going to, they're, if there are up and down, ups and downs in other people's position, you don't notice them that much, as long as you're close to that. Like, the way that we were talking about Mahomes last year, was like he was a different dude, but he still was killing. Like <laughs> He still was balling. So it's just because we have so much attention on them that it's kind of unfair. And I'm with you. Like, I'm not mad if Mahomes goes ahead of Rodgers. I would say Rodgers because uh, the back-to-back MVP seasons is hard to beat. You're right about the playoff sample size is pretty big. I guess um, what it comes down to is, or at least Mad Dog tried to boil it down to this, is like you pick one quarterback to win a game to save your life. Yeah, you asked me to do that. I'm going to go ahead and get Patrick Mahomes on the job. Yeah, that's an interesting one. If all you tell me is, I got this guy. I don't know anything else about the team. I got this guy. That's where I'm going Mahomes number one. Yeah. I am going probably Josh Allen number two. Oh. But that's where we get to Lamar for me. Like, Lamar is in that same place of, I don't need to know that much about what else is going <laughs> on fair. here. I've just seen what Lamar can do with a bunch of dudes who ain't that good at running and catching the ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I've seen that already. So yeah. you tell me that what he's got, the random team that you could pull out of a hat is probably going to have better weaponry than the teams that Lamar has played with. So why? And he won an MVP. How would he not be there? Like Josh Allen, the thing is, he's just so damn big. And then they did what we have been saying, right? I feel like me and you actually unlocked the secret. They started running them Jaheen plays, and then all of a sudden they unlocked the dude. And then they got away from those plays once they got really comfortable or once he got more and more comfortable. So, like, it reminds me so much of the best quarterbacks in football. They all kind of started out kind of on training wheels, if you think about it. Like, the team that Patrick Mahomes took over was a good-ass team. He put up crazy numbers, but and he took a year off. and They didn't throw him out there on that. Like, I'm not on the year-off kick normally, but, like, I am on the good situation kick. Like, Russell Wilson, good situation. Aaron Rodgers, good situation. Like, most of these guys come into a good situation. Lamar Jackson, good situation. That's what happens normally. You bring a talented, smart guy into a good situation, and you allow him to grow. What would have allowed um, Josh Allen to grow with some more Jaheim plays. Takes the pressure off. More Jaheim plays until you feel comfortable. But I also think the real key, Stephon Diggs. It helps. There's a very clear line of demarcation of Josh Allen's numbers pre-Diggs, post-Diggs. Have a guy that can beat one-on-one coverage all the time and threatens the defense. Like It clears a lot of stuff up for you. Um, We'll see what happens with Mahomes without Tyreek Hill because... 
while Mahomes is great, Tyreek Hill changes he changes the equation. He's he's a one of one in that league. It's not just being fast. It's not just being quick. The man's built like a, a like a lightning fast brick. Like it 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 makes it really hard to defend a team. So I don't I'm not picking the Chiefs to fall off, but that's gonna be hard to replace. Or I mean, it's probably dumb to try to replace it. You have to build something new. Yeah, you know, there's no. Like, Miko Hartman was an attempt not to replace it necessarily, but to be a backup player, right? Just a little bitty fast dude. It ain't the same, dog. It ain't the same. It's not. I don't care what your 40 time is. If you can't change directions, if you can't get to that top speed as quickly as, um, as Tyreek Hill, you can't change directions like Tyreek Tyre Hill, break tackles like him. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other quarter or other receivers in the league that are like him. And... There's the, I can't really think of one that has all of those tools and uses them all very well. He's, he's the track guy who's a football player, which is hard to find. I want to ask you something else that came up with Russo, which is Adam Silver talking about uh, wanting to get rid of the trade request. And I'm trying to figure out how you tell somebody not to ask for what they want. Yeah, they um. So it hit me a couple minutes ago earlier. I wish maybe we'll I'll talk about it on some other stuff again. But like CBA negotiations, they don't never stop. They they don't never stop. They're always going on, and that's all this is. They are trying to create leverage by making sure that they emphasize these points that are going to create pressure on the players. Because what it boils down to is. Adam Silver is talking about trying to incentivize guys to play more in the regular season and also trying to incentivize guys to not demand a trade. But I have a real hard time with that concept because it's a it's a nakedly capitalist concept. But you can't blend that in with the socialism that you use for the rest of it. So it makes it really hard for me because matter can't be created or destroyed. Like, I feel like power is one of those things that can't be created or destroyed. You can pay it to them in cash, but if you're not going to give them all the cash that they deserve, they're going to use their power in, in other ways. So that's what it comes down to. If you're going to cap their salaries, have a max deal, if you're going to have a salary cap in general, then what's keeping them there? What is keeping them there? If you pay this man, Kevin Durant, what he's worth, to stay in Brooklyn, then he wouldn't be able to move because nobody else can afford it. <laughs> and also he can't leave. So like the fact that he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna get the same anywhere. He's like, all right, well, I'm gonna optimize for other things. You, If you ever had a negotiation at work and they like, well, this is all the money we got for you. You're like, all right, well, I'm gonna need a new stapler. Like, I'm gonna need some more off time. Like you go get it where you can. And that's all they doing. Yeah. I mean, I think the max salary point is always a big one. I thought that was the lesson they should have learned from LeBron James in 2010. Right. If you had allowed the Cavs to money whip him, you might have had a better opportunity to keep this thing going. Right. I mean, look, the Kings got Chris Webber to stay in Sacramento. That'll always be the thing to point to the ultimate example of we are going to money whip you and tell you that you can get to L.A. on a 30 minute flight. And I think that everything will wind up being OK for you, big fella. And then, you know, OK, boom, it then goes and works out like the problem that the league has with this is not something that they can really I don't know how you can legislate a deal with on that front. And the reason I say that is once the talent say the contract is over, the contract is over, right? That's just kind of generally how it goes. You can try to force somebody in a front facing position to do something that they don't want to. 
But then they're going to not just stink it up. They're going to stink it up in front of everybody. These guys are all hurting all the time. Those injuries start to hurt a little bit more when you're not happy. You know, so like it's real interesting. There are some guys who can go out and say, I demand a trade publicly and and then deal with the repercussion. Then there are also some guys who will behind closed doors say, trade me. And if you don't act right, all of a sudden things are acting up. So like you have to understand that these players have this amount of power. I think that they the solution to this is like it just feels like magical thinking to me from their perspective, because anybody I was going to say in business, but it doesn't have to be business in life. You make decisions. There are trade-offs. I agreed to do first take all week this week. I can't take my kids to summer camp this morning. It's a trade-off. Something I like to do, I ain't going to be able to do it because I'm doing first take. They want to be able to have 82 games, get all the money from that, make the players play 82 games, also add a play-in game while also having 16 teams in the playoffs. And what casual fans may not understand is all that shit is about money. The more teams you get in the playoffs, the more playoff revenue you can have. The more games you have, the more gate revenue you can have, the more games you can sell to TV. Ooh, another game, playing game, more money. They want to keep maximizing their revenue. When you are doing that, there is going to be a cost. It's just like if you're running a widget factory. If you want to make more money, all right, I'm going to get these cheap screws because then we can Im- improve our bottom line. All right, well, your widget's going to break more and you're going to get a rep- reputation for selling trash widgets. So that's what it feels like to me is they're like, all right, well, we want all of this stuff, but we we don't want to pay the cost for it. We don't want to pay the price, the price of all of that. And then we contribute to this ecosystem as media is like we had his rings culture. Adam Silver made a deal about only five players played all the games last year. Name them. Don't nobody care. <laughs> don't nobody. Ain't nobody on first take like, man, he's so tough. Who the toughest in the league? No, we have GOAT conversations. And you know what comes up in the GOAT conversation? Rangs. So like until these things change, don't blame the players for existing as rational human beings in a system like this. That's all. They always have the obvious solution of shortening the season. But say again why they won't do that. (laughs) Money. My thing is, I feel like, yeah, I tell you one way they can get some of that money back, man. Jack up them course side tickets right like you there's ways that you can figure out how to pull this off if this is what you want to do now it may stop some people from being able to get into the arena but they can shorten the season if they so decide and that's the thing that i just think fundamentally that they need to do and i tell you i can't imagine what it was like playing 82 back in the day they right man old heads was going harder all that stuff playing in worse shoes taking terrible flights i'm not saying any of that stuff is not true but that still don't mean that they need to be out here playing these 82 games right now right and so I don't even think that the low management stuff is nearly as pronounced as people make it out to be. It's really a small handful of names it applies to. And it's a smaller handful of names of people that actually affect who's coming out to the arena to watch a game. Like how many players are there really that people are like, yo, I'm going to go see him. LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant, anybody leaving the house to go see James Harden? I doubt it. You know what I mean? Like, like who are like Giannis? I'd say that he's on that list. I'd go for Jokic, but I don't know how many other people would, you know? I mean, you could be, you could even be conservative and say 10, which it may not be 10. You could say that it's 10. You could say that it's 15. That ain't a lot, but that those are the ones that matter though, because those are the ones who we are going to be judging by how they play in the postseason. Those are the ones who need it the most, who need the rest the most. So like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want it to come off because like, the thing is, I agree with Adam Silver. I'd rather guys stay where they are. 
like I have enjoyed the idea of building up a, a perception of a team and like a culture of a team. Like I like the bad boy Pistons that like watching them because they had like an identity. You get that when you have like some longevity. I like it. And the same thing about load management. Yeah, if I buy, I've gone to games where guys didn't play that I wanted to play. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. I'm with you. But where I have the issue with it is when it's framed as if we got to do something to incentivize the players to behave right. And that's what bothers me because Greg Popovich introduced this load management because he realized that these games ain't matter. And so like the players aren't doing this. This is a response, like a rational response to the system. So if you want to change it, then you're going to have to pay for it. Like it's just, it is, I don't get the magical thinking that they come up with. Well, also the thing with Kevin Durant is it is amazing how all of us looked up at how Kyrie was behaving and everything else. We were like, yo, this situation doesn't seem like a great idea. And then we chastised the dude for being like, yeah, you're right. Like what? Oh man. Are you sure? That's why. So like I had this um, conversation the other day. Like Kevin Durant hasn't put any words to why he wants to um, be traded. It's completely possible that he wants to be traded because they did not extend Kyrie. Like Kyrie picked up the option because there wasn't a market out there and because the Nets didn't want to extend them. So he was like, all right. Y'all don't want to. I mean, like, well, yeah, well, that's fair. Well, that's fair, though, right? Because it raises the question. And Durant, who's got a much longer term on his contract, if he looks at this and he says to himself, well, I know Kyrie's out of here after this year. Why should I wait? I think there's something to that argument. Maybe that's what it is. But I don't sense no. I don't sense that. No, we in this together type thing. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't I don't I don't get that vibe off of him and where we are. And again, as I had said in the very beginning on this. We got to be very careful about what we hear from the people we generally trust, because I don't think any of them are actually talking to Kevin Durant. Like who is actually talking to Kevin Durant is where this all gets very interesting and very weird. And I think that number, from what I understand, is probably very low. Yeah, he he's not. I mean, we saw the story. The stars aren't like people trying to call and recruit him. He's not really talking to nobody about nothing. That's fair. And it's also possible that he's not sure. Just yeah, he yeah. just know he'll he right now he mad and he wanna express it. We'll see what happens eventually. Once we get some time pressure, people will start making some real decisions. But again, it comes down to negotiations, which is about your leverage is kind of based on how comfortable you are with your walkaway options. And I look at the Nets walkaway options and it's lose Kevin Durant for nothing. I look at Kevin Durant's walkaway options, it's be a seven foot tall millionaire in the coolest city on earth. It's all right. Well, part of what I think is interesting about this also is there's this catchphrase that's been bouncing around that somehow I haven't really seen bounce around so much in this discussion. And what I'm talking about is that Rudy Gobert trade was ridiculous, right? Three rotation to starter level players plus four first round picks for Rudy Gobert, right? And so the argument is that if that's what it takes to get Rudy Gobert, then it's going to cost you a lot more to get Kevin Durant. However, this is where the catchphrase comes up, which is yesterday's price <laughs> is not today's price. Like the assumption that just because Danny Ainge was able to apparently swindle the Timberwolves, right? You know, that ain't really got that much to do with what the Nets are going to be able to pull off with Kevin Durant. It's an entirely different uh, situation. And that's, that's my point. If Kevin Durant is really willing to not play, then the Nets are going to have a, a a choice to make at some point. We sell it for what they're offering or we sit here on principle and get nothing. So go ahead and sit there on principle or go ahead and get whatever you can get. 
because it, it, it seems like the leverage is in his favor. And that's what happens in the NBA. It's, I mean, there's no more valuable player in professional sports. And I mean, outside of like the movie business, I'm not sure that there are, there's an industry where one individual is like more valuable because people will go see Tom Cruise just because it's Tom Cruise. You, you like guaranteed a hundred million off the top because he shows up. That's the same as Kevin Durant. Oh, by the way, uh, DeAndre Ayton has signed a four-year, $133 million offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, which means that he cannot be involved in the Kevin Durant trade at this point. We got whatever's happening with Donovan Mitchell, where Danny Ainge has basically told everybody, we open for business here. I don't even know why they dragged this thing out, right? Like, I think Danny Ainge got there and heard about all that stuff they was doing to try to keep him. He's like, oh, we lost him already if we're doing this. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that they were lying at the beginning in order to, like, try to maintain some leverage to to uh to raise the price but like i think when they hired danny ainge we all knew what it what it was like i don't think anybody's surprised they hired danny ainge they got a new coach it's fire sale time it's time (laughs) to get everybody up out of here and build something different so i'm not surprised they're not gonna get yeah he he hurt his own market by um embarrassing the timberwolves because i don't see anybody else stepping up this soon after that and be like i want to be the next clown but this is what he do all the time right like the funniest thing is people talking about the possibility of donovan mitchell going to miami i'm like yeah because pat riley's gonna take a phone call from danny ainge <laughs> yeah they they gonna have some some people underneath them working that deal out because i i feel like that's the best place they are probably more set up to use him and more willing to pay for a player like that. They remind him of Dwayne Wade. Let's do this. So they're going to have to get, uh, I don't know, Andy Ellisberg, somebody else on the lower level going to have to make these con- <laughs> these phone calls and, and figure this out because that's where he's going to end up in my view. Yeah, I, I think. Unless they get Durant. I still think it's going to be some giant 14 bonanza that ends up with Donovan Mitchell with the Nets. And I'm not sure where Kevin Durant ends up. I mean, he wants to be in Phoenix. Generally speaking, that means he will wind up in Phoenix. I just don't know what the route will be that will ultimately get him there and how Phoenix is going to be able to pull that off. I think you're right. And I guess the point of releasing a list. Yeah, I never quite understood that is if you want to go somewhere and you willing to like skip a season which maybe he's not then you tell one team why get him a list of places give him a list of places just gives them leverage yes. to extract more from the team that you're gonna end up on like look i'm gonna sit out this year you send me to phoenix and then phoenix like all right well we'll give you something respectful but we're not gonna give you a booker or anything like that but i don't know we'll see so uh, you're right i think most of the time the players end up where they want to go i'm trying to think of the last time a guy forced a trade and ended up in the wrong spot but it don't work that way because these guys got the power to say i ain't gonna show up and you can't do nothing about it yeah let me tell you about that don't give him a list this is one of my favorite stories ever so my buddy nick if you've had a chance you can go check out his podcast the what's right podcast and he's got his daughter on there she is now eight okay when i met her she was three and this was like the second time i had been over there at the house and she comes over and at that time nick lived across the street i lie to you not from a toy store Okay. And so Deanna says, Daddy, can I go, you know, can we go buy a toy? And he's like, No, we can't buy a toy, da da da. But he comes to it. He's like, Okay, so what are my options here? And she says, At three years old, your first option is we go across, we go to the store and we buy a toy. And there is no second option. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, she was like, why would I do that? <laughs> like, like, like this, this is this is this is what I'm going for here. 
I'm not I'm not negotiating against myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. I mean, there's no there's no the only other option that she could give is like, all right, I'll get some ice cream, but I don't want ice cream. I want a toy. She could threaten him, like you could do this, or I'm a tantrum, but then that's just gonna cause him to, to bow up. Like she is ingenious. That's what you're doing. KD needs to go to that school and learn that negotiation tactic. Three years old, dog. She was three going on four, but three years old nonetheless. She saw right through that okie doke. What uh I feel like I need to listen to the podcast so I can hear what she's up to now. Oh yeah, checking Nick. Like, like she just she she a little better at this than a lot of people. You know what I mean? She got she got, she got the games. Like my whole boy said about his daughter. She's like, dog, little girls know the energy, right? Like like they they know the feeling. They they navigate and they weave through it. And he was she was like, nope, not going to this place. Yeah, that is that. Watching it work, and I got two daughters. Watching them work is really impressive. I got a son, and he is, he doesn't have that same ability. But he willing to he willing to blow it up like he is willing to blow it all the way up. And you you had better be completely committed to whatever it is that you want to happen and be comfortable with whatever the result is going to be. I, people make that joke all the time about like once you get once you have three kids, you go from man to zone. I mm-hmm. was like, man, we had a matchup problem after two. Like we can't <laughs> find nobody to check him. It don't, it don't matter. He too big for some. He too too quick for others. But we're going we going to make it. We gonna make. <laughs> I tell you this, man. As we do this here, I hate that. Like, I don't already know what you're gonna be up there talking about with Chris Russo on Friday. Like, is people gonna? Some people gonna be hearing this at ten o'clock. Some people gonna be watching you at ten o'clock, and then they gonna come back around. Like, you you plan to? Was is your plan in advance to go at all with Chris Russo and Mo Heat? I mean, I feel like that's the only way to do it. It's because, like, I, I tweeted out after it that like I think he brought his B game because he ain't know what he was dealing with. He knows now. So like, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna see if I can get him into uh, another Lamar Jackson conversation. That would be fun because I feel <laughs> like you helped me hone my Lamar Jackson argument, and somebody need to hear all these hot bars. So that that might be fun. I don't know what else we are gonna do, but I don't quite got a plan yet. Maybe he'll come with the right energy, and I can get what I wanted on Wednesday. I can just be in a side by side with him while his head is exploding on a rant. If not, then I choose violence. Hear how you know he a good man though. If I was him, man, I show up to that meeting with all baseball all the time. He is committed to the greater good because the selfish part of me would be like, nope, we are staying all in my wheelhouse right here. Yeah, I mean that's. I think um, Stephen A's like that, man. They're like these these guys care about entertainment. <laughs> like they want to make a good show. And if you're going to cook them and that make people like it, then that make people like it. If his name is trending, he, he's fine with it. So it's a fun person to work with in that respect. But um, I don't know. What else you got for me? You got any other good topic ideas? I was soliciting things to draw him out. So I hit him with the KD would cook Larry Bird in part because I Yo, knew I, that I, was like right, a I have to cord. say this, though. I know you said that, but I just want to make sure that everybody understands here. Larry Bird is one of the top five small forwards of all time. That was a level of slander that I just yeah. had to make sure that I clarified here for the yeah, people. Yeah, you, you did know send me saying. a text message. You're right. I can't think of anybody <laughs> after LeBron that would go in there. But I was in the heat of the moment trying to get my man going. I apologize oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. to Larry Bird. Kevin Durant and cook him now. I ain't want to. I mean, I can see that too, right? I just ain't want them out here calling you no racist. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, like it would have been real easy for them to hear that tomfoolery and then uh, ascribe racism to you. So I was looking out for you, wanting uh, to make sure that the people understand that it's equal opportunity over here on the right time. You know what I'm saying? First take is a fight. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the um, ascribing of races is something that I am not going to be able to avoid. So I'm already I've already accepted it. it it's coming my way. But for um, criticism of Josh Allen, you can't do that no more. I don't criticize that man. He he is it. For criticism of Larry Bird, you can't do that no more. I back off that top five. He's number three. You can go ahead and try to convince me that he's better than LeBron or Durant. I'm not even going to argue back with you on that one. That's like, that's a matter of taste, I guess. That's fair. But that is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out on Get Up. Check him out on Anscape. Check him out on Debatable. And, of course, check him out here on Foxworth Friday. Greatly appreciate it, sir. Thank you. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Um, Gabe Bassane and Dave Presley handled everything behind the scenes today. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, shout out to our man, Adi Khan, who had a little bit of work done on his Achilles. Hopefully, he's doing all right. Wishing him the best. So, letting you guys know this now so you don't bombard me with all these questions about it. And if you ask me a question about it, it's how I'm going to know you ain't really a day one. I am taking a break. I don't know how long that break is going to be. That break will probably be until the end of July at the earliest. I've been going kind of hard for the last couple of years. I stacked up my vacation time, so I got these two weeks. After that, we're going to see how it rolls, what I decide to do, whatever it is. But yeah, when it comes around, you're like, yo, where's the right time? Bomani is going to take a break. But before the break starts, I find it very important to let everybody know this, man. We have had a monstrous two years and change here at the right time. And the world shut down and the podcast market contracted. Somehow we grew. And then we grew some more. And then we grew some more. And then we kept growing. And it's really a byproduct of you guys telling your friends about this. And luckily, all the people that are cool with me helping to create a vibe that you guys like and want to hang out with and want to be a part of. So for this pandemic portion of time, which for us has been our most successful and for me has been some of the most gratifying stuff that I have ever done, I just wanted to tell you guys thank you. And of course, big ups as always to uh, Mr. Gabe Bassane, who keeps this thing running like a machine and so much that's made this thing good always has to do with him and his brain and his ideas and his execution and everything else. So I thank you guys again. I'm going to take me a little bit of time. Don't worry. I'm good. But remember, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And I'm going to talk to you when I talk to you. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.